passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the false wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw with John Pollock and Wei Ting as we kick off the week at Post Wrestling. Hello, Wei. Happy Monday night. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Really? I love the third hour of Raw. It's always It always <laughs> gives me so much energy to know that I'm going to go another hour oh, or two goodness. afterwards. I mean... I will tell you this, I've got way more life in me than that crowd in Milwaukee for 90% of that show where um, the Thunderdome was once again resurrected and uh, they, they've really got the technology down because it looked lifelike, but I knew better listening. Yeah, you know, some crowds um, can handle the third hour and, and some crowds... Um, I don't know if this, how, this, this crowd could handle the first hour. I think they, they saw Kylie Ray on the main event tapings. That was it. They're like, they we're, were good. Done. They're, yeah, we're done. We're done. We wanted. saw the main event. You guys record this backwards. <laughs> uh, we will talk about Raw, of course. All right. We're not going to do any small talk because this week it's all about big talk. And that's coming up on Tuesday night. It's the, uh, the award winning talk sessions with Way and John. And what we what awards. Um, uh, ones that I, I can't even describe to you that we have uh, that we have qualified and, and won multiple times over for these these beautiful discussions that this month will in, encapsulate dishes. Uh, it will we will talk about. Um, oh, shapes. just tune in, tune in to find out. Honestly, yes. how yeah. how how young is too young for a child to watch a Christmas movie? Like all these things that everyone's going to want to hear about, but we have a lot coming up this week. And there's one question to ask is what is the best way to eat an elephant way when it comes to the schedule coming up this week? Tune in to, for that and more. Yes. Uh, our edition of talk, those of you who, you know, um, might enjoy some of uh, extended, uh, you know, discussions that aren't about wrestling at all. This is the podcast where we exclusively talk about everything besides professional wrestling so that'll be out tomorrow for all post wrestling cafe patrons and youtube members and then wednesday night we are doing something a little bit different it is a double header on wednesday night so we are going to go live like usual at 10 p.m right after dynamite and we're going to review winter is coming and then we are going to flip over to the post wrestling cafe at about 11 and do a review of the Vince McMahon documentary that's airing on Vice Tuesday night. So you can tune into that uh, late Wednesday night. So 
If you are tuning in for Rewinded Dynamite, it's the same as usual. But for Cafe members, you get a double dose of us on Wednesday night. You can join postwrestlingcafe.com and you sign up. You have instant access to all of our bonus shows and you can watch and uh, check out the show live uh, right after Rewinded Dynamite on Wednesday night. So we hope you join us. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, talking about this Vince documentary, I don't really know what to expect of it right now. Um, but because it's Vice, and I think we sort of, sort of have a level of expectation for their style of journalism, um, I'm sure it'll be very interesting to discuss. Yes, I really hope that there is some debated topic between some of the interview subjects, and we get like a just cut back and forth of different sides of the argument between Brandon Thurston and Vince Russo. That's what I'm hoping. Who are all the people that you know are going to be a part of this so far? Those two, I mean, I'm I'm going just based off like the, the that trailer. Like Jim Cornette's in it, Dave Meltzer's in it, Brian Alvarez is in it, uh, Brian Solomon, who uh, uh, I interviewed a while ago, who uh, did, did the book on uh, Ed Farhat, the Sheik. He was interviewed for it. Um, hmm. It's two hours, and like my understanding was like it was a lot of people that they spoke to. So, and the questions were pretty thorough from my understanding. So. Um, you know, I'm, it's a two hour documentary. So it seems like you can just base, see based on the trailer, like it looks like they will, they will cover quite a lot. And it will and what, be. And what time does it air on Vice? On Tuesday? It airs at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And I have contacted Crave here in Canada. Um, I haven't heard back yet, but the way it works for Dark Side of the Ring, because we don't get Vice here in Canada, but mm-hmm. when Dark Side goes live, uh, when the episode starts, it goes up on Crave. Like they don't even wait until the show's over, uh, I believe. So I'm hoping it's the same format and us in Canada will have access to it immediately. Uh, so that's, that's your outlet in Canada if you want to check out the documentary. All right. Um, we won't go through everything this week, but I uh, do want to note Thursday, a very special edition. It is the reunion of the, the, the British Wrestling Experience. They are coming together for the big fat wrestling quiz of the year. Teams mm-hmm. of two strive to survive on this uh, big fat quiz that one Martin Bushby and company have put together. The real iron survivor challenge. I That's will right. This will uh, be longer than 25 minutes. That's my prediction. Probably, yeah. I'm very happy to hear Martin and Benno come back onto our airwaves. In fact, they'll be planning to do that show live at youtube.com slash post wrestling. I believe um, 2 p.m. Eastern. I should really double check that. But I believe 2 p.m. Eastern is going to be the time where they'll actually be going live. And some of the people that will be competing as part of these teams include Benno with Andy Ogden. Uh, I believe it'll be Kate from Montreal with Bruce Lord. I believe it will be Davey Portman with Brandon from New Jersey. I mean, if ever there was a dream team or a nightmare team, that that is it. A nightmare for Davey, a dream for Brandon, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and if there's one other team, I'm sorry I'm doing all of this off the top of my head. But tune into uh, the Big Fat Wrestling Quiz of the Year from our friends at the British Wrestling Experience Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Yes. So uh, we, we have several shows up at Post Wrestling Cafe coming up this this week at postwrestlingcafe.com. And we also have the final battle uh, post show that Way and Kate did over the weekend. Uh, coverage of that show, UFC 282, NXT deadline. It can all be found at postwrestling.com. And the final plug to get in before we go to the news, uh, the Christmas show is coming up. We are going to be releasing it on December 23rd. And we do are doing our annual jingle contest. And all of the details are there at the top at forum 
www.postwrestling.com. You can submit your Christmas jingles there in the thread or email them to john at postwrestling.com. As I always stipulate at the beginning of these uh, jingle contests, if we don't get a great response, it'll be the last year. So we will find out if the jingle contest will be uh, thriving or will the Christmas spirit be dead and gone. That's that's the question. We want to know way. Next Wednesday. Yes. Uh, correction from me already at the beginning of the show. Oh, 8 oh. p.m. Eastern time is when the British Wrestling Experience's big fat wrestling quiz will be taking place. 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, time, Eastern? Which is 2 p.m. UK. So I, no, I got it's 2 a.m. their time. They are five ahead. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Dude, why are we on a one standard time zone at this point, okay? You know, I I, I, I can get used to uh, changing, you know, my wake-up time to setting my alarm for, I don't know what it would be, 5 p.m. Eastern? Come on. Universal uh, be- time. It's, a, it's, about, it's about time we, we, we get that instituted. Yeah, let's uh, – if everyone's going to suffer, then that's uh, – I'm all for it. So let's let's do it. I love the idea of a universal time zone, measure measuring systems as well. All of it. Why that's don't we all. just fix the sun? Honestly, you know, and that's where we should start. We should fix the rotation of the Earth. You know, just kind of, uh, you know, make make a. <laughs> I'm sure Apple or Google can, you know, hack that. that that's what that's what Elon should have put his focus on instead of like 44 billion towards this stupid bird app. I mean, what 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 yeah. could have, what what could we have better spent our money on, fixing the sun. I, I can't tell you what, what's going through that man's head. Um, uh, a booze now. the other night during the Dave Chappelle show. That's that's what was going through his head the other night. Did you see that video? Dave Chappelle show? Dave what? Chappelle brought Elon Musk up onto the stage, and he was just littered with booze, like just oh. nonstop. Yeah. Okay. Quite a, All right. quite a, quite a message there. All right. Uh, the schedule is up at postwrestling.com. We got a lot of news to get to. So uh, we start off with a report that comes uh, courtesy of uh, Cassidy Haynes at bodyslam.net regarding Matt Riddle. So I will preface this by stating I have not confirmed this on my end, but um, I have reached out to uh, WWE. I do not know if they will be commenting on this. If I had to guess my, uh, my, my life savings, I would, I would venture to imagine they won't, but I could be wrong. But uh, Cassidy Haynes is reporting that, uh, Matt Riddle is off television for six weeks after failing a second drug test. So the report here is that over the summer, WWE had originally planned for Matt Riddle to have a match at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins, but that match was pushed back to Clash at the Castle. It was reported at the time that the reason for the change was due to a new creative direction. Sources have told me that the reason for pushing back the match was because Matt Riddle failed a drug test leading up to SummerSlam. This was also the last test under the Vince McMahon regime. With Vince no longer in charge, a new creative direction was taken regarding Riddle and his big match against Rollins was postponed until Clash at the Castle. Additionally, I was told, this being Cassidy Haynes, that the company informed Riddle at the time that another failed drug test would result in a rehab or fired situation similar to what happened with Jeff Hardy previously. So in terms of Matt Hardy or sorry, Matt Riddle's recent six week television write off, uh, Cassie Haynes was able to confirm that the reason that WWE wrote Riddle off TV is because he has failed another drug test and will be sent to rehab. The belief going around is that he has already entered treatment or will be going in soon as most programs run for 30 days and he would need to be finished in time for his return in six weeks. And Cassidy Haynes asked for clarification on exactly what came up on the failed test, uh, but he notes that WWE no longer tests for marijuana. So we do not know what he failed for, but this being reportedly uh, a second test. And 
it would also coincide way with certainly a de-escalation of Matt Riddle. I mean, losing that match to Rollins at Clash at the Castle. They did come back and do the fight pit match where Riddle did win that match. But in totality, we can certainly see that Riddle has, you know, he's he's certainly been taken down a peg or two, I would say. Much more leaning mm-hmm. into the, the comedic aspects of the character, teaming with Elias and, you know, not to me being positioned as that, you know, that breakthrough babyface that the Rollins program seemed to be suggesting they were priming him for, um, and also coincides with you know over the summer like that regime change too. So um, this is kind of what Riddle is is staring at too, and you know th- there's a lot to this Riddle story. Um, David Bixen's band has done a lot of reporting on the whole uh, divorce proceedings that he has been going under, where there was actually in the uh, custody agreement, uh, something about him disclosing his drug test to his, uh, to his ex-wife as well. So it, it's a pretty messy situation involving Riddle, um, personally and professionally this year. Yeah, this is, um, not really a story I was, I was expecting. Um, uh, it's concerning, you know, I think anytime you hear about, um, a roster member, um, going through repeated offenses, um, and failed drug tests. Um, you know, first and foremost, you think about the person's health. Uh, obviously the, the man is going through a lot personally. Um, and it's, it just seems like, um, time away is probably best for everybody involved. You know, this is a person that, um, this company has kind of, I want to say, you know, stuck their neck out for in the midst of speaking out allegations, um, in, you know, uh, putting the man on, on TV, uh, and giving him a, a pretty considerable push, you know, despite all of that. And, um, he's done really well. Um, he's really connected with the audience. He's really, I would say, broken out, especially as part of, you know, RK Bro. Um, Randy's absence from the show, I think, you know, has also coincided with, with it, with his de-escalation. You would have imagined that, um, actually it, it, it in some ways it might have paved the way for him to like, you know, become sort of that big bona fide star in, in Randy's absence. Um, but unfortunately with all of this happening, it's kind of had the opposite effect. So, you know, first and foremost, you think about the person's health and then whatever he's healthy coming back, um, maybe picking back up. But of course, anytime something like this happens, you, you have to wonder if he loses trust, you know, from the company uh, for a big position like that. It's like you're going to make the like it was right there in the report. You're going to make those comparisons to Jeff Hardy of how much we get behind someone in in that kind of a situation. So, um, yeah, th- this story was only breaking tonight. So um, I have reached out to WWE for a, a comment or to uh, confirm. But we will see if they if they address any of this. There was a time and it's a long time ago that they would always disclose wellness violations. But I mean, it, it's much more closely guarded now when it when it comes to these types of stories. Over the weekend, the I would say the biggest story was the announcement of Ring of Honor's television situation. And it's not going to be a television situation by definition. And Tony Khan noting that their television series will be launching sometime in the new year. They did not give any start date, but it will be on the revamped Honor Club that they have uh, that they have was part of the purchase earlier this year. So I know you and Kate had a chance to speak about this uh, over the weekend, but just seeing some of the reaction to it way and the idea of another hour of television, but also one in which you are asking your fan base to 
spend money in order to follow this product uh, with a nine ninety nine price tag. I mean, where I mean, certainly this is not the optimal outcome that anyone wanted for Ring of Honor on on from Tony Khan's perspective. Um, where does this Honor Club situation sort of position Ring of Honor as a brand in the new year? Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of maybe speaking about the fallout after the announcement, I think most of the wrestling audience has been able to um, decipher this as being a bit of a, you know, a fail for Tony Khan and for ROH as a whole um, through, I think, expectations and maybe even veiled promises of something bigger than this. You know, Tony holding out for as long as he did um, before announcing anything and then ultimately ending up with something that he probably could have done from the get go uh, has to be seen as a disappointment for the company. Um, I think one of the major sticking points I've seen is, you know, you are talking about a product right now in, in AEW as, as a whole that is not nearly as hot as it was a year ago. Um, their programming, their second run programming in Rampage has been going through, I think, a lot of bad press, you know, coming off of one of the, the, the its worst ratings ever. And when you're talking about um, the B show already doing as bad as it is, what position are you in to get your audience to spend money on a weekly subscription service? Another aspect of it that I've seen a lot of criticism for is um, the price point. $9.99 is, you know, the barometer at which we used to set, I think most streaming services, you know, that includes, it was really set by Netflix, but then WWE followed suit, New Japan, of course, followed suit. Um, and $9.99 these days, um, even though like Netflix is is more than that, you're getting way more though, you know, with almost every, like you were getting the value that we assigned to 999, you know, has already been established as um, some something that, that is worth a lot. WWE Network offered, you know, a number of pay-per-views for that price. And they offer less now, or sorry, they, they, they offer the same amount for less now as part of Peacock's, um, you know, lower tier. So it's, relatively high i have to say um for a weekly tv show that does not include the ring of honor pay-per-views which you know you would have to pay additional fees for um personally i if i was tony khan i would have kind of went like the disney plus route of like starting off with a lower cost and if it if it you know um takes off then maybe considering upping the price a year or two from now should have got ring of honor on disney plus I mean, I, I don't know if they were, I, I don't, I mean, here's the thing, John, you know, like who, who is looking, who, what, what of the major streamers, you know, would actually be interested? Does this tell you that they didn't have many options or, or I, I, I don't look at this as, um, like, like I don't even put WWE, like it plays no barometer on like the interest out there when it comes to a WWE, I would even say so to a degree, like AEW, but it certainly does tell you that, you know, here is the guy in Tony Khan that has launched this brand that is doing tremendous numbers on Wednesday. And we have two comparisons that are kind of similar here in that with Warner Brothers Discovery, we know all of the problems they're having, but they are kind of going out on a limb with a similar person who has had a ton of success in Dana White for his offshoot uh, idea in Power Slap, and that's getting a prime slot on TBS in the new year. And 
what's funny is that Power Slap, the success of that show, they are very much hedging it off of the back of AEW uh, to send that audience over. But it, when it comes to AEW's offshoot promotion, that is something that they're not interested at the moment in. And we even saw that that interview from from a while ago from um WBD stating they're looking for more out of the ring content when it comes to professional wrestling. So mm-hmm. it would seem like this is not the kind of wrestling content they're seeking more of. Whether that's, you know, the the realities of seeing like Rampage if if Rampage was knocking them dead, maybe they would be craving more uh content. But um that's sort of where it settles. I think it's I, I have to imagine there's probably still a bit of a perception of what wrestling kind of, you know, means for advertising, maybe just kind of for the 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 reputation of, of your company. Like I'm guessing three hours of wrestling content is probably good, but like five, six on the same network is and and what night would you even find it like you know that aew is not going to run on nights where the nfl is running and you know tnt and tbs they do have their existing deals with the nba with major league baseball and you know there's only so many places like you are even going to find for uh wrestling now you could argue that ring of honor follows dynamite and then you have a three-hour block like that that could have been an option on the table, but they are going with Power Slap, which... But why not just extend Dynamite to three hours? Well, that would be my argument if I was WBD, is why are we going to take this lesser brand when we want more of this... Sh- like, you are going to see the exact pattern of, like, a Raw, where that third hour is mm-hmm. going to go down dramatically when it comes to Ring of Honor. And if you are WBD... you. You're looking at well, AEW is the brand we want. As Tony's mm. trying to get this other one off off the ground. Now, w- what is interesting is when this power power slap is a limited series, and if power slap is a big hit, and those however long this is, ten eleven weeks are up. I mean, what what do they want to put in that slot that can retain some of that audience? Um, that's something interesting too. Like as as much it as power be, slap, it won't be a Ring of Honor. Okay. Well, it's it's probably not going to be Ring of Honor, but that that is interesting to see if if Power Slap ends up being the, this big hit uh, for for whatever reason. Probably more Power Slap, John. I mean, maybe they. Well, it's uh, I, I don't know how much uh, Power Slap you can uh, put together on on short notice, but I mean, this I do feel that that first week will have some curiosity attached to it. I I don't know if it will sustain or not. Uh, but getting back to the Honor Club. Uh, you know, itself, just launching a niche streaming service. I don't know. It just feels like the world has really passed that time by. Like that was years ago. You were starting these kind of niche services. And to me, it's $9.99 for a show each week. None of the pay-per-views. Um, we know the history of like what these libraries mean. I mean, they're a nice thing to have, but they are not informing your decision about subscribing to a service. To me, it's you need to be promising people the world. Like, um, yeah, you're going to get a weekly ROH show. Um, you're going to get a live stream of Bola. Uh, we're going to work out a deal with PWG. Like, you need to be really sweetening the pot because I just feel that there is not going to be a giant appetite uh, beyond maybe the initial phase of checking out Ring of Honor for that first month uh, to keep people spending that amount and then asking them to buy a pay-per-view every couple of months uh, on, on top of it. Like the, the new Japan involvement will be interesting, but 
Like, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to um, increase people's desire to add another streaming service. Like, it's like we are always talking about the just the difficulty of people finding more time for wrestling. And now you're asking people to pay for uh, another hour of wrestling each week. So it's, they will have their work cut out for them to get this brand um, eyes on it and, and to get people to, to buy this service. I think they, they need a big hook for this. And I don't think just a one hour weekly show is going to be it for most. We'll see what sort of creative matchmaking. I think Tony will, will use for, for this audience you know and and i i, I kind of discussed this on um saturday but um because it's a paid audience you are really filtering the most hardcore of the hardcore and and for that reason i think you offer you can offer like booking that is more catered to that audience you know this is this might be an audience that recognizes the value of a of a regina the, the wave championship you know um the type of audience that you know you can bring in a, a tai chi perhaps and um certainly like a tamir ishii and param with the claudio castagnoli and and that might be attractive enough um we also have to ask questions of like ultimately you know Obviously, I think we. I think it's probably safe to say that this is not Tony Khan's first choice. Now, does this Clearly. have? Yeah, does this have to be on broadcast in order for Ring of Honor to be a profitable service for him? You know, he has kind of talked about how um, the profits, or sorry, the gross revenue coming from these pay per views are in line with what he he's paid for Ring of Honor, whatever in line means. Um, you know, is he already in the black with ROH? Um, I mean, obviously, he's spending a whole lot more um, to to try to you know keep this version of ROH alive. But um, is there a small, well, is there a number of subscribers that makes this a sustainable business that doesn't necessarily have to include everybody who watches AEW? Well, I th- I think in the immediate, it's keeping your costs as low as possible. And that to me would mean like if if I was looking at this, like what would be the most advantageous like production schedule um i'd be getting rid of dark elevation i would do oh, yeah. dark at universal studios and i tape ring of honor uh, along with dynamite every wednesday but even mm. even with that like you're looking at four hours when you're tacking on rampage like that's that's still a lot um but yeah that's i like that would be the i, I just don't see how you create a whole nother day of uh, production and do you want to put this in a universal studios where it's going to have that, that feel, but you also don't want this to come off like velocity either where it's, you know, good wrestling, Mm -hmm. but it's um, like the audience is kind of trained that this isn't the show we're here for. This is like the warm up acts that happen before the show. Yeah, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, we see what the roster that they're going to be starting off with is. It's going to consist of you know, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Samoa Joe, the Briscoes, who, uh, you know, coming out of Saturday are as hot as I feel like they've ever been in years, uh, maybe ever, you know, with no TV appearances. So they almost like feel like they're, they're a special attraction that you can only see on this service. Um, so we'll see how they kind of use it. Like they've got a credible Athena, you know, they've got an incredible roster to, to start off with. Is it enough for people to, you know, spend $10 a month on? And how much integration of ROH is on AEW programming to push this and promote this on like your biggest 
platform as well. So there, there's a lot of questions with it. And, you know, that is kind of like the bare bones was given out over the weekend of their, their streaming strategy that I'm sure is designed that I'm sure Tony Khan is going to still hope to pursue a, a broadcast deal. Like, I think that is the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't feel this is uh, his finality when it comes to their distribution plans for Ring of Honor, but it's the reality that they, they have to contend with. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. We want to talk a little bit about Sasha Banks because um, the report came out first from uh, PWInsider.com that uh, Mercedes Renato, Sasha Banks, was supposed to or is scheduled to appear at Wrestle Kingdom in some capacity, uh, not wrestling on the show. And then there was further reporting from the uh, Wrestling Observer that she is like verbally committed to dates with uh, with New Japan, but she is under the belief like her deal will would be up with WWE at the end of the year. But of course, there is always that like freezing situations or WWE coming to her with some last minute offer to hold things off. It seems like there is the expectation that she is she is committed to these dates, but still the possibility that, you know, a an 11th hour deal could come down and and she could have different options on the table. So certainly what this represents is the possibility of a really big deal for New Japan. And I would say by extension, stardom like stardom having dates on her for the new year would be, um, you know, gigantic for uh, awareness of, of their product and certainly like this could be uh, a major major story if you know all of this comes together in a couple of weeks yeah i mean no no matter what she chooses to do after wwe i think it's a pretty major story but especially like you know having to do with new japan pro wrestling the, the wrestle kingdom stardom um it's incredibly fascinating i find sort of like all the mm, all the discussion about like the ifs and, and, and of, of like whether this is actually confirmed or whether it could still change, I find that really fascinating because um because you know we're talking about a company. There's a now. bunch of red flags that that go up, like the idea of somebody could she... get really screwed here. You know, like and it's not like they've advertised, you know, no. things, but expectations are there. I, but and know, we've seen enough examples way of people thinking that like, their deals are up and uh, mm-hmm. like Dax Har I know this is a different company but Dax Harwood stating I think my deals up next April like these talents are like I don't know the the whole freezing thing to me is one where it's like I like I am not a legal expert but it just seems like that is um that is a major issue that I would I would combat if my future was at stake and I had all these offers on the table. But do you want to enter a legal battle with the WWE? Well, that's and, that's and, the scary part, and no one and have your career frozen even longer. 
than yeah. you know whatever yeah. the country contract and, and it comes with a cost in, in, in on top exactly. of that so like there, there's enough in this that i i do not think this is rubber stamped as a guarantee is happening other than yeah. like it seems like there is the intention of carrying all of this through but, but what's what's uh, fascinating to me is, is that you know we're talking about bushy road and it seems like there is at least some form of communication and maybe even some form of working agreement at this point between the WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling in the form of um, what they're choosing to do with Carl Anderson. Um, He's taking care of business in Japan. (laughs) I mean, at least they they went as far as to acknowledge that, yeah, Carl Anderson is in Japan doing something, right? So um, I, I can't imagine like, you know, uh, like the, the possibility of, of some sort of like respect, you know, for, for the other promotion, I have to think is, is still there. Like, is this a case where the WWE would pull the rug from under Bushi Road? Um, again, it, we know so little about what the contract is. We know so little about what Sasha Banks is, um, or Mercedes Monet's, um, you know, dealings with Bushi Road would are that we can only kind of like speculate almost as fans at this point. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if she is under a WWE deal still, like she can't sign somewhere else yet. I mean, that is all Mm -hmm. contingent on one deal ending so that you can enter another one. So anyway, wanted to just kind of bring people up to speed on on where things are there. But the other, the other thing of course is uh, the Soraya partner tease. Of course. And that's, I mean, that is only going to increase that speculation as well. So I would say if, if AEW does not have that lockdown, um, that that would be a case of much like the Survivor Series. If you're leaving that surprise, it's going to lead people in one direction and you're going to want to um, fill out that surprise beforehand because it's going to be a letdown now if, it, if it's not her. Because like, AEW has not teased that, but your audience is going to naturally go that direction uh, with uh, January 11th uh, right around the corner. Uh, AEW had a very interesting hiring that was uh, reported by PWInsider.com and, and confirmed by the individual, uh, Michael Mansouri, who served as WWE's vice president of global television production. Uh, he came into the company in 2009 as a production assistant and made his way all the way up the chain uh, to a, a VP status and um, was considered one of like Paul Levesque's like, right-hand men and look to be in a tremendous position to eventually um get, go right to the top of the of the production ladder in the company. Uh he left in 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 2020 to go work uh with Pat McAfee's company and then um in that time also launched a, a wrestling podcast for a very brief time with Mark Madden and then joined one championship in Asia. So that's what he's been doing and AEW signing him. Um this is, you know, somebody that um learned and succeeded in WWE's production from all facets. And to me, it's, it's a great, great hiring for AEW to have someone, um, the level of, of his background and someone that was, you know, um, thought of very, very highly in WWE when he left. From what I understand, the man worked on uh, NXT black and gold. Yeah. Uh, at, at, at the, the craziest, I remember like listening to his show was when NXT started going live on USA, Dude, he was going, he had to be at Raw, at NXT, at SmackDown. Like, he was there at all the shows, and I cannot imagine, like, holding up to that schedule. Um, and then the pandemic hit uh, shortly thereafter. But, yeah, he was um, involved in all of it. 
You know, um, this is obviously, I think, a development that I'll, I'll be following very closely. You know, it, even if we're probably not going to be privy to exactly what he's going to be um, doing. Uh, well, his, his title is uh, his title is senior vice president and co-executive producer. So it's, um, you know, he is coming in with a big title. And I'm so sure he's, he's overseeing pretty much like all the production. Right. That's so what it I, seems like. So I'll be very, very curious to see what production changes in AEW. It is an element of theirs. Um, that I'm probably you know mo- one of the, one of the most critical of. Um, their wrestling is great, but I I think they can benefit a whole lot more from great video packages. You know, um, utilizing storytelling storytelling elements that I think WWE does actually really well. Pacing of the show. Do these things change, or are they not under his jurisdiction? And Tony prefers that fast moving show. We we don't exactly know, but I'll be curious to see what changes starting. Yeah. Um. Well, probably not starting tomorrow. He's he's starting work tomorrow, but these changes are probably going to come over time. Yeah. Or Wednesday, I, mean, I should say. Yeah. New Japan, um, their show is happening this uh, Wednesday morning, 4.30 a.m. Eastern time uh, from Sendai. Carl Anderson handling business as he defends the Never Openweight Championship against Hikuleo. And then we get both of the Tag League finals. So in the Super Junior Tag League, it is Leo Rush and Yo. Um, Leo Rush has been great in the in this tournament. Him and Yo have had a really nice tournament together. And they're taking on Ace Austin and Chris Bay, who... I believe their end record was seven and two. They were uh, booked very strong in this tournament and Impact did a really great feature last week just of all the highlights of them in the junior tag league. So, um, yeah, the winners of this will get a shot at Francisco Akira and TJP down the road and, uh, Akira and TJP, they, they had three losses in the tournament to Austin and Bay to Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Doki as well as Bushi and Teton. So they, they have many title matches that they they could go to beyond just the winners of this match. And then the World Tag League final features Aussie Open taking on Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. So it was not uh, TMDK or Naito and Sonata that advanced. And I would I would think Aussie Open is winning this tournament and challenging FTR for the IWGP tag titles. Um, I would certainly hope so because, um, I don't know, as much as I, I think people might enjoy... Um Kuroki Goto and Yoshihashi. I I don't know if them challenging for the tag titles again is really going to um attract too many people. And of course Aussie Open and FTR had, you know, a match of the year candidate that um you know probably didn't experience as big of a, a stage as, as they could. So I'm I I'm looking that to be for that to be the finals. Yeah. Um I, I, I skipped over earlier. I did want to just get your thoughts, not going through all of deadline, but um, did you get to see the Iron Survivor challenge matches? And what did you think about the the concept going in and how they handled it? I saw both Iron Survivor matches and um, I didn't have too many expectations going in. And if anything, like I, my expectations were probably a bit low, just couldn't considering um, the, the talent involved, um, the concept that I think sounded a little bit you know confusing and maybe a little bit overly complicated but in execution i absolutely loved it and in fact especially with the men's match i was blown away like i thought that men's match was one of the best wwe matches of the year wow um what did you think john i thought that going in i like i said when they announced it it's like this sounds complicated but 
like the King of the Mountain, the first time I heard it, I thought this is the most ludicrous match ever. And then seeing it in execution, I was like, it it worked. It was like an interesting match that was different. And this one um, was even more so. They are so good at just streamlining a concept. The graphics were so helpful. It was never too busy on the screen, even though you had a lot of information. There were all these little stories you could work in, and you you have the stats. The stats are the story, and it's just yep. your guide to follow all of this. The penalty box worked. Um, I, I found these both to be really fun matches and a concept that I I would say that maybe two of them on one show is a lot, but I, I, I enjoyed the matches. Like I, I thought that this was a concept that I definitely want to see again. Yeah, I thought they, they had a real winner. Like to me, what I think was was the genius of it is I mean, we've all watched uh Iron Man matches and um Iron Man matches, especially like when they go, you know, an hour, um they tend to have a lot of dead spots. In, in the middle, you know, you're talking about um, a story that's typically being told by two people that has to go a very long time. And this solves that because there's constantly action. There's constantly something going on. And the way they space out the, um, you know, entrance at every five minutes, um, you know, tells you that like there's there's always going to be something to look forward to, much like the Royal Rumble. You get the crowd participation, much like war games, you know, like crowd crowd interaction anytime there's like a new added dynamic to the match itself. And you don't have to wait for everyone before you can do the falls. Like that, yeah, that adds, totally. That adds a great dynamic to these. Yes, yes. In that sense, it's an improvement over war games. Um so uh you know like I think the idea of like the penalty box and the intervals being 90 seconds, I wonder if if 90 seconds is enough of like a penalty. Like it, it you know, obviously well, they were almost like, like at 60 seconds by the time they got into the box. Yeah, sure. So it's almost like almost kind of doesn't mean that much. But I mean, obviously, it's all in the way you book it. Right. And beyond, I think the concept of it, I thought this these matches were booked really well and I thought they were executed really well and what surprises me especially is is the women's match where you have like some relative experience in there you know in the form of like a kiana james or or a cora jade and i thought everybody played the role that, that was really the best well. performance i've seen from kiana james so far yeah. on nxt in totally but the men's match I, I i thought like in terms of action it was spectacular like I axiom a- axiom Boy. and mcdonough i thought were yeah. phenomenal in that match they like, were hitting those- so hard and, and and when working so fast, and then you throw in Carmelo Hayes in there, like all three of them look great. Joe, G- and I thought Joe Gacy even, like you know, like played into the mix really well. Grayson Waller is go- probably going to be, you know, the one that'll be criticized the most. He ended up winning the match, but like, you know, they must have gone with him for a reason because you know the man is very charismatic, and I thought he played his ro- role really well too. So, yeah, I thought it was a great match. Um, yes, uh, the. I, I ended up getting to watch uh, everything o- over the weekend. I don't know how, but um, I was I watched the UFC on Saturday night, and then I had to get up with my daughter on Saturday morning at like six forty-five in the morning. So she goes to put on the Wiggles, and I go to the table and I put on the dog collar match. And <laughs> what a contrast! She walks over to the screen as the dog collar match is going on and she just stares at it and just goes, whoa. 
And that was her reaction to the dog collar match. I'm like, Evie, I agree. Dude, that match, that might be my match of the year. It was um, – I was – I'm watching this at, at 6.50 in the morning, okay? I'm half asleep, and my God, this match was – one of the most compelling matches I've seen in a long time. Uh, like from the second that bell rang, it was like, this was just like, um, like I always say, I, I'm not the biggest like um, violent match connoisseur, but man, this was for that type of match and for the stakes involved, it was perfect. Um, yeah. I just, I just thought the drama of this, all four of them were just outstanding. I, I put it as number one of, of their three the, this year. And that's um, you can certainly debate uh, the order of which you go. But I thought just this being the blow off and uh, even down to like having the dates on, on their tights, just the way they set the scene for that. Like this audience treated this like the main event. And, you know, credit to the the matches that had to follow this because, man, that was a tough position to be in. But this was um, absolutely lived up to all expectations and then some for me. It was an absolutely incredible match. And, you know, as as we're uh, putting a lot of our match of the year list together, I mean, a match like this is certainly just um, squeaking in and very deserving. This, this is a live contender for, for this year. Absolutely. It's yeah. in my upper echelon. Very much deserves your consideration. It was, uh, I think, everything you wanted in, 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 in a final chapter of a trilogy. Okay, just a few more here. SmackDown on Friday did their highest viewership since the Bray Wyatt episode on September 23rd. They did uh, just over 2.3 million viewers. They were number one on television uh, for the night. Even um, They were ahead of the NBA. The NBA was on cable. Uh, And then they were up 5% in the demo doing a .57. So uh, very strong numbers. Other than 18 to 34 was down. It was their lowest since uh, October 28th. But... um, you know, both Rampage and SmackDown, like we saw, as I outlined, like where the the female audience has had really lowered uh, two weeks ago. We're seeing that like come back to normal levels. So you're seeing these increases after some uh, low performances. It was also the most watched SmackDown on Sportsnet 360 in Canada since October 28th as well. So it would tell me like the Kurt Angle appearance was probably the biggest factor, I, I would say. I suppose so. Um, More birthdays. Who's, whose birthday is coming up next week? Quick. Who can we get to Chicago this week? Uh, I mean, anytime there, there's a legend, um, I don't know who, who's in town. I, I mean, they're lucky. I, All legends every year, a legend has a birthday. So they can, they can do this multiple times uh, a year until people are tired of birthdays. Rampage did uh, 457,000 viewers and a .11 in 18 to 49. So this was uh, somewhat of a rebound after last week's all-time low in the demo. So they were up uh, 48% in the demo, uh, finishing 20th on the night for uh, Cable Originals. They didn't even crack the top 50 last week. So that was an improvement, up uh, 27% in uh, total viewers. Uh, Women across the board were up... uh, significantly from last week, like way more than double uh, in 18 to 49, 18 to 34 and 35 to 49. So big gains among women and 149,000 viewers in the demo. I would put this like just, 
just tracking a lot of these, I would say for Rampage, its goal, I would say, is to try and crack 200,000. Like, that's what I think this show should be aiming towards. There was a time they were smoking that figure. There were times they were doing uh, over 300. I would say in this day and age with Rampage and where it typically rates, that would be my goal is to try and work towards consistent 200,000 viewers in in the demo. And it's not a number they, they've hit um, recently, but it's within striking distance. And I think that's where you want to try to be working towards for rampage, but they did have Moxley on the show with Takeshita, um, to a lesser degree, the mystery opponent with Trent seven showing up on the show. So we will see what they follow up with this week. It's, it's not about just doing a one, one hot shot week and then things just subside. Like you need to, I think have like one big thing on rampage each week to consistently keep people, um, checking this out. But at least for this past week, like people did check out the show more, more so than the last week. They at least gave it uh, a chance. And what what exactly is a big thing? You know, like booking something like Takeshita versus Moxley, you're very much catering to a hardcore audience. Um, yes, it's a John Moxley appearance, but it's a John Moxley appearance with no real storyline stakes attached to it. The it, it you know, you're really just kind of banking on the promise of like a really hot match. Is that enough to pique the interest of uh people beyond, you know, four hundred fifty seven thousand? Um Yeah. And 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 what you know with the, with the changes coming with with the Ring of Honor roster, like does that affect Rampage? How does it affect Rampage at all? Yeah, I I would want to get um, at least some of my stars on the show. Whether that is MJF retains the title on Winter Is Coming, and we announce that MJF will 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 appear on Rampage for a victory speech. Like you get a big MJF segment on Rampage. Like that's. He's in the building. It's like he comes out 45 minutes later and does a promo. Like that's mm-hmm. getting your big stars on. The idea that um, the stars show up on Friday. Like you don't want that That sort of – like where Thunder got to where it was like you knew that the, the bigger stars would be on Nitro and Thunder would be a stripped down show like once Thunder got into its run several years in. So that that's kind of the – like you just look at the lineup for Rampage and like what constitutes a main event that you know would that that would never main event a dynamite it's you can't make them equal shows they're not equal shows but certainly like this format was turning people off and i i think getting one to two of your stars on on the show like of your big stars i think that's that's and something but not just appearances in my opinion like they have to be doing something of significance and that could be a promo you know, it could be an angle, but I just I think it needs to have you have to have a reason to watch it in order to follow the story. I didn't think it was a huge thing when it happened, but, you know, th- th- this drop in Rampage, like when they put out that best of seven schedule, like that was a bit of a like a communication Ignition. of like. Okay, none of these are on Rampage. Like, this speaks volumes to w- mm-hmm. how we look at Rampage. And I think, like, the audience kind of. Maybe you're reading into things, but that correlated with this show falling to like this all time low. It was it was almost like a okay, this this really is the secondary show when here's this big series and we can't put one of the matches on Friday. I would say the week to week booking of Rampage probably like you know communicated that um, already by the point by the time like that best of seven was announced, but I'm sure it didn't necessarily help. Okay, and then the lineups for. Uh, 
Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, NXT coming out of Deadline has Toxic Attraction taking on Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley, Von Wagner against Odyssey Jones, Duke Hudson against Damon Kemp with Drew Gulak uh, scouting the match, and Lyra Valkyria debuts. Um, this will also uh, feature the Vince McMahon documentary going against the second hour of NXT. So we will see. Uh, winter is coming on Wednesday. MJF and Ricky Starks for the AEW title. Match number four of the Death Triangle Elite Series. Ruby Soho against Ty Mello. And the House of Black will be in action in Garland, Texas on Wednesday. So that's all coming up this week. And again, we will be live 10 Eastern right after winter is coming. And it's doubleheader night as we will review the Vince Doc on the Post Wrestling Cafe um, around 11 Eastern. So, Also, our friends. Yeah. That, that's finish your thought. That's it. okay. I was just going to say that um, what a what a night to hang out with John and Way all night long. That's right. Yeah. Uh, before before that, of course, Tuesday, we've got our friends from Poison Rana, Braden Harrington, Davey Portman. They're hosting up next now on the post wrestling feed. So you can tune in uh, for that live at youtube.com slash post wrestling immediately after NXT is over. Also, I want to heavily recommend their Poison Rana flagship podcast that can be now found on the Poison Rana feed. The guys just debuted it yesterday on Sunday. If you like, you know, pardon the interruption, that style of, you know, like uh, quick um, discussions about all the wrestling topics of the week. This was a great debut for those guys. So highly recommend checking out Poison Rana on the Poison Rana feed, formerly the up next feed. Yes. Congratulations to them. I hope they start get, uh, yelling at each other. Um. Well, really, really lean into the format. I think calls yeah, for some yelling. I, I mean, you, you've seen those two together. Yeah, yeah, we we save our yelling for off air. Way Way yeah. has uh, Way just like just reads me the riot act sometimes. Oh, I could be a I could be a not so nice person. No, not at all. Ever since those leaves got stuck for the whole winter <laughs> season, Way's just been in a foul mood. Monday night. Um, I don't know if this crowd in Milwaukee was in a foul mood. I couldn't tell. Um, they were in attendance. I can't confirm that. Uh, main event tapings earlier saw uh, Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali defeating Malik Blade and Idris Anofe and Dana Brooke over Brianna Ray uh, is the name that was given to Kylie Ray, who was part of the tryouts last week. And I would say that's a pretty positive sign if they were putting her on main event uh, this week and and whether that mm-hmm. will mean that she is uh, coming in or not. Yes, um, I'm sure we'll be following closely. I mean, she did have a custom Brianna Ray um, Titantron, so I don't know. I, I doubt that really, you know, signifies anything. In I wonder how they got to Brianna from Kylie. Um, I don't know, dude. A name generator. I, I'm guessing. I would love to know the process of like how they how they get to that name, like the the whole thinking. Um, maybe there's not a lot of thinking to it. I mean, I, I imagine I would hope that maybe she had some output or input, I should say. But I mean, this Brianna with one N as well. Interesting choice. <laughs> I, I would imagine this might not be final. Um, so maybe whatever. she's gonna maybe a bully's gonna come back as her father. Yes. On to Raw. Uh, damage Control comes out, and then Becky just attacks Io Sky and Dakota Kai, chases them through the crowd, so Bailey's left alone. And this was all we saw of Becky all night. We never saw her again, yeah. did we? That was yeah. very odd. Like, no, it was, it, like, if you blinked, you would have missed Becky on the show. Like, she was literally on screen for a minute tops. 
for that matter, like Bianca Belair really had no role on the show beyond sitting ringside and, you know, and looking very worried for Alexa bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Alexa bliss had a, an odd match here. So Belair comes out to watch ringside and there's a spot where Alexa goes for a hurricane Rana off the turnbuckle. And it's a really nasty, like not so much that you were worried she was hurt, but it was just like a really clunky landing. It was not smooth. And then it was like, all I I, I worried that she, she landed on the back of her head. Okay. It was like, to me, it looked like she had like tucked enough, but yeah, it was, um, I didn't rewind it either to get the full grasp of it, but like she just seemed off. And I don't know if, if she was like rattled from this spot, but she just felt like they were not in sync. And it just Mm -hmm. felt like from this point on, and it was to the point that like Graves is like, he will not like just not call what's in front of him. Like he will identify when something is off and and there was a lot here. And then it was like the rest of Bailey's offense was all like smashing Alexa's neck into the turnbuckle and like dropping her. Um, a turnbuckle gets torn off and then Bailey's on the floor and Alexa ducks a punch and then Belair stops the punch from hitting her. So she argues with Bailey. Bailey rolls back in. Bliss drop kicks her. This knocks out Bailey. She is out cold from this drop kick and just has to lay down. Alexa climbs to the top, slips on the turnbuckle, regains her footing and hits the twisted Bliss in 13 21 and Corey Graves uh, his big call for the win was it wasn't pretty but Alexa Bliss is your winner um, and she mm-hmm. will now challenge Bianca Belair at a date to be determined yeah um, this certainly was a match that had me concerned you know once you saw that awkward landing especially like high angle uh, on, on the person's head and then seeing her so kind of like sluggish and, and almost a little bit out of it like it was certainly one where maybe you know, maybe she should be checked on. Yeah, like kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, is this the point where, like, you know, you you pause the match to 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 go through your concussion protocol? But obviously, um, I have to imagine the referee um thought about that. I have to, I have to imagine the referee had had a much better view than any of us watching at home. Um, and, and someone that has had a history of concussions, I mean, yeah. as well, like that that does we, add to it. If there's anything further, I'm sure we will hear about it um, tomorrow or, or, or I mean, I guess, you know, concussions can be kind of quiet, um, you know, these days. But hopefully she was OK. But certainly judging by the performance, I have to definitely imagine that she was affected by whatever took place, you know, in that sort of a blown hurricane rana. Um, it almost worked like looked like she was kind of gutting through the rest of the performance. And, um, you know, Alexa Bliss is somebody who I think is very dependable and very good. And this felt like a odd performance from her um and it was tough because this was supposed to be a match where they're trying to tell the story that she was trying to find her lost aggression of course they're teasing you know all the sister abigail stuff um and she couldn't really perform to that level of course you know and it just really looked like she was trying to get through the match yeah the post-match saw bel-air hold up the belt in front of Alexa and goes to offer her hand to Alexa but Alexa extends her arms for a hug and when Belair goes for the hug, Alexa sets her up for Sister Abigail, but then catches herself and stops and then leaves the ring. And then Graves and Kevin Patrick are speechless. They can't even add words to what they have just seen. Well, shocking. Yeah. You know, what yeah. does this mean? Yeah. I was waiting for like black goo to come out of someone's mouth. Um, That's the come. 
Guess, guess what um, might also be on my short list for our uh, year-end awards is that finish with Isla Dawn and Elba Fire. I've yet to see it, but um, you know, Clearly, Black rewind, rewind away fans, obviously, uh, yeah, based on be. the timing. Hey, uh, thank you, chat room, for informing us that Brianna Ray is actually Kylie Ray's real name. Is that her real name? I did. I yeah. did not know that. Well, there, there you go. Um, so. With one end. With one N. That's how they got it. Uh, still an interesting choice. Well, now now we know and, and how they, they, they got to that uh, particular name. Bel Air Hole, uh, uh, that ends the segment. And then Saxton is with Alpha Academy from earlier in the day. So we got more milk puns. And Gable calls Angle a dinosaur. And then the OC walk by and they're watching a video that Carl sent them from Japan where he is taking care of some business and sent them a video from SmackDown, meaning these guys had way more pressing things to do on Friday night than tune into SmackDown. Um, and oh, they're, they're laughing. They're drinking about, beer um, is what they do. Yes. Now, I guess Carl was sending them uh, the Hulu feed, right? Because they wouldn't be sending uh, like a I, – I guess maybe maybe got the YouTube clip. YouTube clip, yeah, Twitter, GIF. Yeah. You imagine that on my? Would you send that to someone? Hey, check this out, man. It's milk. Yeah, look at this milk bath. Um, I don't know, dude. If it took place in real life, like you know, if it was a friend, if it was like a mutual friend of ours, like oh my god, look, look at somebody spraying WH Park with milk. Milk. I would send that to you for sure. So Gable calls AJ a fossil. And this leads to a match, um, the fossil versus the, um, the, can, can I, can I just say something? I like, this is probably like, you know, dragging something uh, out from, from really the past, but they had Chad Gable stand next to AJ Styles in the segment. These two are the same height. And all I kept thinking was they spent months building this guy as shorty G, you know, somebody who's supposed to be like, Oh man, like, like just, Shorty styles, like somebody who's who's supposed to be so short that he's even lucky to be on the roster, and you and he's the same height as the guy who's your former champion. So, like, how detrimental was that to everybody who is either Chad Gable's height or below to have him, you know, be built like that? It was a terrible, terrible character for him, and one that uh, probably still like follows him uh, with, with 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 a lot of people. But yeah. Um, AJ, AJ dodged a bullet. He was going to be the pit bull, remember? Yes, yes. I went to somebody else. Luke Gallows and Mia Yim are in AJ's corner. So um, they had a nice match here. Gable avoids the Styles Clash. And we just saw this battle from Calf Crusher to Ankle Lock with all these uh, cool counters. Styles escapes. Beautiful Northern Lights by Gable. And then misses with the Moonsault landing on his feet. AJ goes for a jackknife cover, flips backwards, and lifts him for the Styles Clash and wins in nine minutes and eight seconds. Um, if these two were like four inches taller, this match would have been great. But they're <laughs> tiny. so I know. I know. Um, you know, considering the pairing, I I actually felt like this was relatively, you know, meh. Like, it, it, and maybe that's about as much as you can expect for like a mid card Raw match built in the segment beforehand. You know, in a WWE style match, like it was fine for TV. But man, I saw so much incredible wrestling over the weekend that this just like it was hard to follow up. Well, thankfully, the show took a turn for the better because then we got our first Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis segment in the back where they are coming up with ideas on what to do with all the money. 
and Candace walks in. Um, it's like Candace and Johnny Gargano. It's like we almost need to remind ourselves that th- this is a married couple here. Like they seem so awkward on screen together. So, okay, John, have have you ever tried to talk to your wife with somebody else's scripting of your words? No, I have not done that yet. Yeah, I. I they were not. They were not thought. hubby and wifey this week, so that's that's a nice change from last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Baby steps. Yeah. So, Candace says we have everything we need, and it's the season for giving. So Gargano has an idea of what to do with the money. More to come in this epic, episodic tale involving the three of them. Kathy Kelly interviews the Street Profits and their new friend Akira Tozawa and. They explained that they saved Tozawa because it's Tozawa. And it led to Tozawa saying that they want the smoke and any drinks from the red cup. And then they all scream. Yeah. Yeah. Tozawa. They booked to- book Tozawa as like someone that's just had his first drink of alcohol. Um, right. Alcohol doesn't tend to like do that to me, at least like it, it you don't scream to- when you drink alcohol it tends to relax me actually. Um, but I mean, maybe it, it's got a different effect on different people. It was the Judgment Day against the Street Profits and Tozawa. A lot of boos for Dominic when he was tagged in, which was some life from from this crowd. Uh, Priest sends Ford over the desk. He flies right into Kevin Patrick. Uh, Graves is proposing that Dominic get a new nickname, Caliente. Which means? Hot. Yeah. Yeah. You great, like it? Great nickname. Yeah, sure. Dawkins gets the tag and then Tozawa eventually gets in and he makes this big comeback on Dominic. This was like uh Dom this was like Tozawa getting to like run free for sixty seconds and just like remind himself of uh oh yeah, this is what I can do. Um all six are in the ring. South of Heaven is hit the Ford. Uh, Tozawa dumps Priest to the floor and then hits this crazy suicide dive to Dominic. DDT's Balor and Dom. The Senton attempt is stopped by Priest, who dumps him with the razor's edge, allowing Dominic to pin Tozawa in 1446. Um, it went long, but uh, Tozawa got to shine near the end of this before falling to Dominic. I thought it was a very good match. You know, um, lots of great showcase for everybody involved, including Ford and Dawkins, but especially Tozawa here, where they were really making an effort to make Tozawa the focal point of this match. They gave him the big, you know, tag at the end. They they built up to his spectacular suicide dive, which it rivals Darby Allens as, you know, probably the fastest right out there right now. Um, he ultimately lost here, but like, I think that's fine for an underdog, you know, babyface character. But, um, you know, he certainly shed the ninja gimmick now, and they might actually be going further than that. They're, they might actually be giving him a bit of an actual push here. I hope this, you know, pairing with the, the Street Profits continues for him. Gargano and Loomis show up at the merch stand, and they want to buy all the merchandise at, to hand out as gifts. So they come out to the ring using the same wagon that Dean Ambrose brought all his weapons out to a few years ago. And they start throwing out gifts when the Miz runs out and grabs the bag of money. But Adam Pierce stops the Miz and sends him back to the ring to return the money. Miz says it's my money and he's desperate. He wants to earn it back with a rematch. So Gargano calls him Mike and this leads to a chant of Mike. And then Gargano proposes a rematch for next week in a ladder match 
double or nothing, which shockingly is not the tagline they are using for this. They are going with winner take all next week. Mm -hmm. I thought we could have a double or nothing ladder match. Two winner take all matches. That's right. Back to back. So the idea is Miz has to get an equal. So Miz, who we thought was broke, has to get an equal amount of cash to be in this match. Therefore, rendering this money that he needs kind of like useless when you've got this amount stored. So the the story they came up with is that his cash is not liquid. Maurice controls all of his accounts and he has an allowance, which leads to a tiny balls chant. And so Miz has to somehow get this money liquid by next Monday to put up his life savings is in one bag. He's now got a backup life savings and the winner of this match will get both life savings. Yeah, that's right. Huh? Yeah, you got that right. What? Well, what do, what do you mean? Is he, he broke or not? Um, is his wife like starving him? Like what's his he's, allowance? He's broke of liquid cash. Okay. And, and it's embarrassing for him to go to Maurice to try to get money. He wants to avoid that. Um, so he needs this bag. And, maybe, and maybe, maybe to get this angle over, he should explain all the associated costs of working in WWE as an independent contractor. Like, you think mm-hmm. I pay, uh, I get my hotels covered or my rental car? Like, these things add up. I'm on the that, road every week. I, I think that would be a very uh, beneficial. My for, allowance for the goes towards my road expenses because we don't have any kind of representation. We have no union. These mm-hmm. TV deals, you think I'm getting a percentage of this TV deal? Come on. Uh, he, he, he said he'll have to figure out a way to get it because I don't think he's going to go through Maurice. So we'll get those sketches, I'm sure. Soon. Okay. He's going to go to Tony D'Angelo maybe. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Or Tony Khan maybe. We'll ask for a loan. <laughs> okay. There's a twist. Yeah. That's, yeah. That would be a twist for sure. I mean – um I thought the, the, that, cra- the crowd did get vocal here uh, dur- into into the Miz. Like the fact that a is- tiny balls chant burst out organically, they weren't even prodded. I mean that uh, that says something right there. I don't know what, but it says something. Kind of kind of told you maybe what what this crowd's preference was because it wasn't necessarily for wrestling. It was for um, I don't know this this sort of thing. And I I would say if you've listened to us long enough, I think you you know how much we hate this Love. stuff. Oh. Okay, well, sure, but I I also recognize like, hey, there are people that like it. You know, there are people like people the, the the audience that was watching this this week live that are are totally in tune with it. Um, and at this point, I'm I'm willing to accept that it's just it's not my thing. Um, but I'm I'm glad the variety show offers this for those who like it. Look at all these hoodies. It looks like um, you know, uh, violent by design is like recruiting more members on on Impact here. Look at all these uh hoodies. Mm. Io Sky versus Candice LeRae. I thought they had a very nice match here. Uh, Sky lifted her on her shoulders on the floor, and LeRae hit them with an up next and then uh, rolled her in for a two count. And then Sky with a bridging German for a two count. Sky then stops the wild ride. This is Candice's move, the swinging neckbreaker off the turnbuckle. So she swung with such ferocity and Sky held on to the rope. So Candice flipped herself off the turnbuckle and landed in position to be hit with the over the moonsault and Candice hit her. Have you ever tried a swinging neckbreaker and the person held on and you just sent yourself off? 
I, you know, I've, I've avoided that. This is um, a devastating move if the person is not there to take the fall with you. Uh, and EO wins in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. But they, they had a nice match, I thought. It was a nice match, but one where I felt like, um, you know, the, the crowd was quite cold for this. Oh, it, and, was, it was a freezer in this arena. And it was either perhaps just due to lack of interest in the matchup or lack of interest in the wrestlers or probably a bit of both. But, um, yeah, it was okay. It was It was fine. They recapped Solo Sokoa and his attack on Elias, or sorry, on Riddle last week. So they explained that Riddle is gone for six weeks due to damage to his trachea as the storyline reason. Kathy Kelly interviews Kevin Owens and Elias walks in asking if he can count on Kevin Owens to be in his corner. And there's just this like silence as the viewer at home is processing this request and piecing all of this together. And Kevin Owens, like, instead of just immediately screaming, it's like he let you remember, wait a minute, this is insane. And then Kevin Owens is just stunned and brings up the months and months of mental torment uh, that Elias placed on him. And Elias says, that was my brother Ezekiel. And then Kevin says, you hit me with a guitar over the head. And Elias says, well, you took out my brother and I took out you. And he's like, wait a minute. How how does that work? How does that work in terms of you getting any – that's a different person, as you said. So Owens just walks off after this request by Elias when Elias says, I need you in my corner tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought these oh. two were pretty funny together. Oh, they've, they've had great chemistry, yeah, throughout, throughout the entire year. And um, sure, yeah, this little callback made sense. And Elias performed in the ring. He's got a photo of Riddle and the bongos, which are back. Mm -hmm. He then performs a song that Riddle wrote the lyrics for. Um, In a rolled up piece of paper. Yeah. Um, This was all right. Like, the man's a good singer. I thought this was funny. Especially like, you know, um, grass grass is green, the sky is blue. Um, and then he paused at the end uh, after the lyrics for, um, a solo. Yeah. He called for a solo and that prompted Sokoa to come out and they had a, an eight minute match. Sami Zayn was in Sokoa's corner and the highlight of this match. I know for way was Elias hitting a leaping knee to which Kevin Patrick called it the symphony and Corey responded, I will never call it that. Yeah. Um, a brief re- return of the symphony. Who else has it? It's Walter. Oh, sorry, Glinther. He's got the symphony now. The Last Symphony is the name of his. Yes, game. but not designed to be a pun for a knee-based offense. There's a reverse neckbreaker on Sokoa, and then uh, Elias is arguing with Zane. Uh, there's a kick from Sokoa, and then he hits him with the spinning solo in 8 minutes and 12 seconds. They continue the attack on Elias, including Sokoa hitting the Samoan spike, and then he puts the chair around Elias's neck, the same attack as he gave to Riddle. But Owens runs down, saving Elias, stuns Sokoa, and then Zane escapes without being hit by anything. And then Owens stuns Elias as well. Mm-hmm. Staying true to the, to the character, I like that. Um, yeah, just an all right TV match. Honestly, not that much to speak of on the on the show. Uh, just a way to get Owens in there with the bloodline and Zane to keep that going. But um, you know, a relatively sort of quiet chapter in the Owens bloodline saga this week. And then, after many months away, we got the return of Vince McMahon, 
in a tribute to the troops video package. That is correct. And they said uh, tomorrow night on Vice, tune in. No, there was no promotion. Uh, we got a bunch of photos of the Miz. He had to dress up in an elf costume and take photos with fans as punishment so that he could get this ladder match next week. So that's how he got his money. Did he get his money from Polaroids? I don't know, but why Why did he agree to do this with the, from the Miz? It was part of the agreement to give him the rematch. Got it. Okay. So he, he, he needs to do He has to get the get money, the but he also had to take photos in this elf costume. What if he doesn't get the money then? Is the, is the rematch off? I guess so. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know. Do you think he could get uh, a loan? Do you think someone would loan him a money? Maybe, maybe you could argue um, his winning percentage in ladder matches. Like, is this a is this a risk free loan? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. Let's, okay, let's, let's move, move on. on. Oscar versus Rhea Ripley. There was no face paint on Oscar, and yeah, she's been uh, online teasing a return to her Kana persona. So, whatever that means, um, she's going to be more mean, just like Alexa. Oscar went for the armbar, and then uh, Ripley gets sent into the post and hit with a code breaker. They go through the break. A lot of aggression from Oscar with her kicks, and then Dominic stands up to Oscar and says, "If you want to get to her, you have to go through me." So Oscar goes to kick him, and he just cowers away in the corner. Uh, but then Oscar gets uh, run into the apron by Ripley. Uh, she turns a riptide into the Oscar lock. Dominic puts Ripley's foot on the rope, and then Oscar sprays the blue mist into Dominic's face and Ripley shoves Oscar into Dominic hits the riptide to win in 1141 but we hear the immortal words from Dominic I can't see I can't see and Ripley is calling for help and I thought this was all we were going to get from Dominic but no we go to the back for maybe the best scene of all time Dominic is in the trainer's room as they are trying to flush his eyes out of this this light blue mist. Mommy, it burns. I cannot see. Who is this guy? Does he even have a license? And they are trying to force eye drops into Dominic. And then Priest notes that some things can burn worse. That is so, correct. Ne- never underestimate Paul Levesque's ability to get a dick joke in any situation. <laughs> I mean, this this yeah. guy has never heard a dick joke that he hasn't chuckled at. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, for the match, I, I thought the crowd was pretty cold for this one, too. And, and that was a, a bit more surprising than the Candace match because, you know, uh, Rhea has been so, um, I think her presence has been so big right now. And Alexa is a, oh, sorry, Asuka is a bit of a fan favorite, but they, were, they weren't really there for this one. Um, and and kind of disappointing because you know much like Oscar or much like Alexa, Oscar's going through some sort of character transformation. They focused on her after the match to indicate some sort of um, losing streak into some you know some sort of motivation for for her diving deeper, I suppose, into this Kana type of persona. So it's a lot. It may be kind of unfortunate timing doing this at the same time as Alexa, but um, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Then Ziggler had this um, interview where he put over the importance of the U.S. title and that Rollins and Lashley are going to war tonight, and it's the title that means everything to this locker room. Theory needs to stop walking around with a chip on his shoulder and put that title on his shoulder and carry the show. 
but he is not a deserving champion and theory needs to watch his back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, once in a while, Dolph Ziggler will get a role on a TV show and he'll get some promo time and they're always good, reliable promos that check all the boxes of what you would consider to be, Oh, a good, good promo, good performance, but they're almost always disposable and have no lasting purpose beyond getting you excited to see him lose, you know, to the guy that they're actually pushing. So, um, it's, yeah, it was fine. Main event time, Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. This was, uh, the tail end of raw when we were ready to get there. Um, we have Lashley come out and then theory is watching backstage. Lashley is warned not to use the steps. So he back body drops Rollins over the barricade. Rollins takes over, lands a pair of suicide dives, Falcon arrow for a two count. And then he is run into the post sets up for the spear. Rollins leapfrogs him, super kicks him, hits a frog splash for a two count. And then we have Lashley going for the hurt lock. Rollins breaks free, ramming him into the corner and the referee bails out to the floor to avoid getting hit. So Lashley hits the spear, but with the ref on the floor he's slow to get in and count and thus Lashley gets upset when Rollins kicks out goes for another spear into the pedigree and Rollins pins Bobby Lashley and Lashley is pissed off at this ref another ref runs in and takes a errant elbow from Lashley immediately uh, Adam Pierce runs down and gets right into Lashley's face says his hands are tied he shoves Pierce and that's it Adam Pierce tells Bobby Lashley you're fired. Mm-hmm. Bobby's like, huh? What? I'm one of the few guys that's over on this show. You can't get rid of me. And that's how the show ended. A, a rare cliffhanger to end Raw, which I, I did like for this show. To end with like some some question that you are going off the air with. Right. Um, I mean, it was fine, dude. Um we got a fire. Well, you hated angle. the show. I get it. It was not I, a great ride. I really lost energy. I don't know if that was just kind of due to the crowd or like the fact that, I mean, yeah, the wrestling was good, but like I, it, it, it completely forgettable. I have to say beyond, you know, today, um, story wise, I don't know if you've got much significant movement. Uh, the Miz is Dominic is to- blind. He has yeah. lost one of his senses, right? Well, his dad lost an eye. So, um, Maybe this is going to reconnect them. They can maybe. bond over. Ray can tell them what the healing power is for vision. Mm, yeah, maybe. But beyond that, like, I, I don't know if there was much exciting on the show, dude. No, like, it was were- a long show with a crowd that was, um, I'd say for 90% of the show, they felt pretty subdued, which, yeah. I mean, maybe is reflective of how you felt watching it. So can't, yeah, they they built up Alexa to be the number one contender for, for uh, Bianca Belair. Um, and they're also telling the sister Abigail story. Um, sure. AJ is old. Um, Akira Tozawa has new friends. Mm-hmm. Dexter and Gargano are rich. Miz is his, he's rich, but not rich enough. And, um, yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah. Like, I mean, and we're going to really- do Rollins in theory. Yeah. When you really look at it, it's like, oh, man, especially on the raw side of things, like you take out the bloodline, you take out Sami Zayn, you take out Kevin Owens. I just I don't know if there's that much to be excited for on this show. Um, yeah, eh, not for me. The show is uh, they're ready for Cody to return. Yeah, I'd say so. All right. Let's uh, 
wrap this up. If you've got any super chats, any questions, you're welcome to submit them. Uh, we will also go to the forum and uh, yeah, check in. Uh, no super chat, but Lee Hildebrand sends five dollars just to support. I believe thank with you, a Lee. sticker, so or a super thanks. So thank you so much, Lee, for the support and uh, for being a member here at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Kate from Montreal writes in, I really hope that whoever is responsible for that venue tonight does a thorough check for a gas leak because wow, did that crowd seem like it was unconscious for large stretches of the show. Granted, it did feel like there were significant stretches without much to get them excited, but there were some good matches and the big names, Becky, Seth, Bloodline were there. Uh, it just felt like any excitement died the second they were no longer on screen. Yeah, B- Becky was odd. It was just, I guess there really wasn't much for her this week, but um, mm-hmm. it was very brief. It seems like in recent weeks that the reactions to the damage control have gotten very cold despite them being prominently featured and well booked any theories on why that might be have they really been that well booked Kate? like dakota lost last week bailey lost this week and i think bailey has been taking a lot of losses you know they've been to bianca belair but still like i i would say they've hardly been a threat to me like they came in really hot but then like not winning the tag team championships at the end of that um tournament um i think has really just kind of confused their booking and coming off of war games especially like they lost war games right yeah, yes bianca yeah like they've lost a lot so i i would hardly say that they felt really all that threatening and i think just even in terms of personality like their backstage skits to me like are kind of corny um so they just don't really feel all that cool to me I mean, they've I also know. been running in place for a long time with like Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka. Like, that's been going on for a long time. It just seems like we've been mixing and matching. And to the point of the women's tag titles, it's like you have no division. Like, it's mm-hmm. they're defending these tag titles on Friday with uh, Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox, but it's like that's the division. The division is being showcased on Friday. That's the whole thing. So it's like you have these tag titles, but what do they even mean in the grand scheme of things? Like, you don't even have people to be programmed with. Um, so like, I, I don't look at those tag titles as some boost for them either. Yeah. Uh, we got one super chat here coming in from William Robb, who sends $2 to ask thoughts on Brock versus Gunther at WrestleMania being reported. Yeah. Um, that report is out there of that being a, a potential match for WrestleMania. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a direction. I mean, if nothing else, like it, it would indicate to you like where they see Gunther in terms of being someone, you know, prominent enough for a spot like that. If that ends up being one of the matches, the booking of Gunther up until this point has been pretty intriguing because, um, he's been the, the workers champion on SmackDown that they've been, um, you know, saving for TV main events rather than like putting exclusively on pay-per-view. Um, and I think that experiment has been wonderful. It's been wonderful at like, you know, elevating the IC title and it's been wonderful for Gunther and Imperium to give him that level of showcase. Um, I think it's been very successful. You have to thank Seamus for a big chunk of that as well. Putting him against Brock is, would be big for him would be big for Gunther and I think big for the for the audience that has grown to love Gunther whether from before the WWE run or you know well after the WWE run um it's a match that they will probably build as like you know a meeting of two incredibly athletic giants and I'm so excited to see it so I love that match I would I think it's WrestleMania worthy one that you know really would really inspire the hardcores 
Yeah, it, something really fresh for for Brock. And I would hope that they wouldn't lean too much into like comedy for that build up, like with because you could certainly see it going that direction with where they've they felt more comfortable with, with Brock. Like I would just build it up as like these two unstoppable forces. You can have your haha stuff with Brock because I think they just can't help themselves, as we saw with like the New Day stuff with Gunther last week. Um, mm-hmm. But you know that that could certainly be. You know, it's it's more than anything a really fresh match for Brock that I think would excite a lot of people for I'd, for him. I'd love to know like what the story would be. You know, like Gunther and Imperium's whole thing is like, yeah, well, uh, you know, we we don't like sports entertainers. Like they're the real like you know uh, Blackpool Combat Club, the heel version at least. You know, they 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 don't like all the shenanigans, and certainly the babyface Brock Lesnar has been taking part in a whole lot of shenanigans. Um, so I think the build would be fun. All right, we're going to call it a night. So thanks to everybody for joining us live. Uh, thank you. Uh, we would we would just do a whole roll call, but uh, we are not. We're back on Tuesday night, postwrestlingcafe.com. It is the latest edition of Talk with myself and Wei Ting. We'll be talking about stuff to do with the website, stuff to do with our personal lives and what is going on. Always a fun time chatting with Wei Ting when wrestling is not on the menu. And then uh, Wednesday night, Look at me, just so happy. And then Wednesday night, we have got the doubleheader, Dynamite, starting at 10 Eastern with uh, right here on the YouTube channel. And then for Post Wrestling Cafe members, we will go live with a review of the Vince McMahon documentary on Vice. All that and more this week. We've got uh, the the BWE on Thursday. We've got uh, up next on Tuesday night, Damian Abraham is back on the long and winding Royal Road on, on Saturday with WH to chat at Sushi Onita and Hector Guerrero. Wow. What more could you potentially ask for? The man who, um, you know, bought a barbed wire bat of Onita's in Japan uh, himself joining WH Park to discuss. The man who's been uh, very active on YouTube recently. He's got a great video out there that he's edited himself, Damien, uh, talking about MVP and his connection to um, a, a member of Rise Against. So if you're curious about the rock and wrestling connection, go look up Damian Abraham's YouTube channel and his video about MVP. Uh, also, Scrump is on this week's edition of Postmarks on the Post Wrestling Cafe with David and Bruce. So look out for that in your cafe feeds as well. Yes. All of the shows can be found at postwrestling.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to Post Wrestling. And we will speak with you on Tuesday night for talk. Goodbye.